Well, I am very excited for 2022 to be through. <sighs> but we have Joseph today, Jesus' adopted dad, to inspire us to get us through these last few weeks. And three guiding words from Joseph today, grief, righteousness, and obedience. Again, ready for 2022 to be through. And it has not been a hard year for me. Nothing catastrophic or hard has happened. There have been years where rough things have happened, stressful things have happened, but not in 2022. What is happening in 2022 is a catch-up of all the grief the last couple of years, perhaps the last 20 years, just catching up. And I'm sorry to start out so sad this morning, but hopefully Joseph will encourage us. Um, so why so sad? Why the grief? Um, I think it's a lot of the goodbyes and the accumulation. So the goodbyes in people passing away in death, and those are, those are grief. But also second category, people who've moved away and have, life has just changed. Friends are no longer here. Um, and I know you can still phone people and Zoom people, but it's just not the same. I mean, do you remember my friend Brad who used to sit here? Brad, we'd get together for coffee for Brad to watch me drink coffee. Now, you just can't reproduce that on Zoom. So it's not the same. And then there's the third really ugly, yucky category of people who are simply estranged. You know, there's lots of reasons in the last few years why we're all estranged from each other. You know, politics or agreeing or disagreeing with this idea or that, or this whole cancel culture. I'm just like, don't like you, so I'm done with you. Right? Like, there's an estranged category where you didn't even get a goodbye, but these relationships are just lingering out there. So all these three categories have accumulated to grief for me. And I wonder for you, how are you doing ending 2022? Well, Advent, this few weeks leading up to Christmas, is this time of preparation where we hold two things in contrast. We hold the fact that this world is broken and not right and things are not the way they're supposed to be. We acknowledge that life is hard and difficult and we need a savior, one side of Advent. It's hard. And this is actually the best time of the year to be sad because it's Advent. You can be sad. But then there's the other side of Advent where it is hopeful. This is like looking at all that is right with God. This, this thing in Advent that a Savior did come is here now. Heaven is now. And we look forward to Jesus coming again. And so here at Advent, we light these candles and we talk about faith and love and peace and joy because that is the other side of Advent. So we're holding these two things in tension of the world is hard and God is here in Advent. Well, today's scripture reading starts off with Joseph's grief. Did you hear Joseph's grief? Let's read this and you can look for it once again. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together... She was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Joseph's grief, she was found to be pregnant. I know it adds that little through the Holy Spirit part, which is nice for us. We see that in hindsight. But think about Joseph. He's looking at the facts of life. 
How does he feel? How is he processing this? If this was you in his shoes, how would you process this moment? Well, back then, Israel had a system of marriage that had three steps. First, there was an engagement where the families made a contract and arranged the marriage. It was set up, and it was then binding. And it began the second step, which is betrothal, just like one year of the community getting used to you being together. And in that time, you were together, but you were not living together and all that in marriage, but the community saw you as married, and it required a divorce to break that betrothal. And of course, third is the marriage ceremony where everything is finished up and celebrated. And in these three steps, babies were made after the third step. And if they weren't, then there were social consequences and there was grief in that not happening the way it's supposed to happen. Second is righteousness. Next, we see Joseph's response to his grief. Continues on and says, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. You know, there's three things in Joseph being a righteous person right there in that little passage. It says that first, Joseph followed the law. He's faithful to the law. His righteousness was that he did the will of God. He followed the letter of the law. And that, that says something about Joseph, who he was as a follower of God. But second, this is more subtle and nuanced, but I think almost more important than following the law and his actions. Second, it said that yet he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. This is fascinating, that Joseph did not want to shame Mary. And often I think we, you know, we focus on one, you're faithful to the law, you're following the letter of the law. But here, Joseph is also following the heart of the law, the spirit of the law. He wanted to honor God by doing the will of God, but he also honored people around him in how he did that. So there was an honoring sensitivity in Joseph. Can we just do this with our heads and tilt our heads and be like, huh? And be in awe of Joseph? Because isn't it refreshing for somebody to have the honor of somebody else in mind in how they act and what they do? I mean, it is refreshing, and this is a great statement of who Joseph was, that he did this. He followed the law, but he also honored people in the spirit of the law. And how contrary is that to our culture and the shame in our culture and how we use shame to put people down? Talk about cancel culture is entirely shame-based. I mean, you can even think about as you go home or do whatever you're going to do for Christmas, the stories you're going to tell about people. Are you telling stories that honor and uplift people and who they are and what they did? Or are the better stories actually the stories of shame and putting people down? So we live in this world of shame, and Joseph 
goes entirely against it by honoring Mary. He followed the letter of the law, and he followed the spirit, the heart of the law. Which all adds up to the third thing, which is that Joseph did this quietly. His righteousness was quietly done. That he didn't do it for self-promotion. He didn't do it to earn some kind of favor with God or with people or to increase his status. He did it because it was the right thing to do before God. So, he did it quietly, and we've been in these last few weeks of the Sermon on the Mount, this like whole fall series, the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus spent this huge section in the Sermon on the Mount talking about when you do your deeds of goodness, don't do them so that everybody sees. When you give to the poor and do something good with your money, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. When you fast and do your spiritual practices, don't, like, make a big show of it. Jesus said, do it quietly. So Joseph is demonstrating his character right here in these little few verses. Since we're spending some time on the Sermon on the Mount, and if you allow me some imagination... And perhaps you can use your imagination as well for a moment. And wonder with me, when Jesus gave his Sermon on the Mount, did he have his dad, Joseph, in mind? Think about this. If you were to hold up the Sermon on the Mount and read it and hold up Joseph right next to it, what would you see? What are the connections? When Jesus said in the Beatitudes, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Did Jesus have his dad in mind? Thinking back on how his dad had a hunger and thirst for righteousness, to do God's will and to honor people. Were there examples that Jesus observed in Joseph that taught him Love your enemy, not just your neighbor. You know, when Joseph was walking down the street and Jesus was with him and people said ugly words at him or just around him, Jesus heard it. Did Joseph respond to those words with ugly words back? Or did Jesus see his dad respond instead with kindness and love, honoring people, not returning evil for evil, but returning evil? evil with good. It's curious. How did Jesus get influenced by his dad? And certainly the way Joseph sought to honor Mary rather than shaming her are evidence of the kind of man that Joseph was and the kind of father he was to Jesus. Third, obedience. Obedience Frederick Bruner wrote this, that the hallmark of Joseph is obedience, prompt, simple, and unspectacular obedience. Have you noticed that Joseph never says anything? Gets no quotes in the Bible. Have you noticed that Joseph only gets angels visiting him in dreams, never in person? 
If you notice, Joseph only gets these little glimpses. And we have to then extrapolate in some more to understand how it all worked. But here's Joseph living his life of faith and prayer and meditation so deeply that when a dream comes to him from God, one, he can identify that it is from God and be like, oh, yes, God, that is from you. If you are like me, I don't think my dreams are ever quite so clear to sort that out. But then second, Joseph wakes up and immediately follows through. And it speaks to who he is as a person, as a follower of God, to be able to listen to God and then promptly and simply and unspectacularly obey. The story goes on where we see what this dream message is to Joseph. And it says, but after he had considered this, so he's thinking about this, what's going on? An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Joseph wakes up and does just that. He takes Mary as his wife. He names the baby Jesus. And this same pattern continues. Actually, four dreams Joseph receives, and each time he gets a message in a dream and then promptly obeys. So he gets this message in a dream. You, you guys are not safe. You need to flee to Egypt. Joseph gets the dream, wakes up, and goes. And then in Egypt, and it's like the angel's like, hey, it's time you can go back. Herod has died. It's time. It's safe. Go back. Wakes up, goes back home. But Joseph is paying attention, and he's feeling that this isn't safe. So he wants to follow and obey, but he's going back, but he doesn't feel safe. So he gets the fourth dream where an angel says, yep, do not go back to Judah, but instead go to Nazareth. So Joseph goes there instead. Joseph's obedience is this huge encouragement to me of following through. Now, I agree with Bruner that Joseph always promptly and simply obeys. But I'm not so sure about this word, unspectacular. Because every act of obedience is actually spectacular. Whether it's these big things to flee and be a refugee in a different country, or the daily activities of being Jesus' dad. I mean, you think about Jesus being raised by Joseph— the example that Joseph was to him, he was, Joseph was Jesus' primary teacher of the law and the scriptures. He was demonstrating to Jesus a life of righteousness that followed the letter of the law and the heart and spirit of the law. Joseph was demonstrating this life of faith and prayer and practice and listening to God. So each day, each day, was an unspectacular event of Joseph following through in the boring, mundane details of being a dad, raising a child. But it all mattered. Now Mary, rightly so, Mary gets a lot of attention at Christmas because she was called on by God and she said, I am the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled but equally, 
God chose Joseph. Equally, in arranging and putting together Mary and Joseph, God was involved in that. And Joseph, he took his part seriously as well. You know, we don't know much about Joseph. We don't get the long history. All we get is these scenes now, and then, you know, when Jesus is 12, and they're at the temple, and Jesus gets lost, like he's there, but then we get no more. So we have to take these things and just wonder and imagine Joseph's influence on Jesus and how he was a dad to Jesus. So again, I'm holding up the Sermon on the Mount, which you've just been studying, with Joseph. And I know that there's probably no proof or evidence at all for this, and I'm crossing over into some far lines. But I invite you once again to imagine with me and to wonder about Jesus being influenced by Joseph. So we come to chapter 6 and in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus gives the Lord's Prayer. Now, where did that prayer come from? I want to muse and wonder and imagine if that wasn't just the everyday morning breakfast prayer Jesus heard from Joseph. I mean, think about it. Joseph is living this life of faith before God. So he begins his morning prayer saying, God, hallowed be thy name. Right? Reverencing God. And then we see that Joseph is living this life out where he says, God, your will in heaven be done here on earth, and I'm participating. And every day he's praying that, your will be done in heaven as it is on earth. And then, I mean, think about Joseph, not a rich man, but certainly provided for by God, saying every day at the morning prayer, give me us our daily bread. Whether we're living in Egypt, whether we're coming back and living in Nazareth, whatever we're doing, God, we turn to you to provide our needs. And then, whew, forgiveness. The amount of forgiveness Joseph had to do to work through his grief of living this life that people probably didn't understand as they looked at Jesus and just thought, ooh, illegitimate son, at least indiscretion. Joseph didn't defend that, perhaps, to every person, but instead let it roll off and forgive. And he would receive forgiveness, and then he would give that forgiveness. And then you just think about Joseph as a dad to Jesus. There's a serious problem being a dad to Jesus. All your failings are very evident. I mean, I am, I, I know all my failings, my kids aren't even perfect. But Jesus <laughs> highlighted all the things Joseph would make a mistake on or anything, right? So for Joseph to have that sensitivity to follow God and to do it with this heart and spirit of love, he knew forgiveness to receive it and to give it. And then Joseph also knew the temptations. Just praying every morning, lead us not into temptation. Because Joseph knew there was an easy route out of any of this. There was an easier path. And he said, no, I'm going to stay on the path that God is putting before me. I'm going to continue. I am going to keep going. 
And for Joseph to say, I am going to simply and promptly and unspectacularly obey, no matter what God assigns to me. And so here is Jesus giving us this prayer, which I would like to think Joseph had an influence on in his everyday morning breakfast prayer with Jesus. Well, this Advent, I hope that Joseph inspires you. And whatever grief you are carrying, to continue to seek to follow God and to do his will. To both follow the letter of the law, but also to do it with the heart and the spirit of the law as well. Hope that our righteousness grows rather than diminishes. And that we go deeper in honoring God and in honoring all people around us. And I hope that your obedience will also be guided not by what's the easiest way or the the nice thing to do or the most practical or what's going to get the biggest applause from people seeing it, but that your obedience would be guided by following God and doing his will promptly, simply, and spectacularly in its routine, daily kinds of way. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we wonder about Jesus and his dad, Joseph. We pray for your leading and guiding into any of that wondering. And we wait in anticipation for the day in heaven when we get the full story. What happened to Joseph? Who was he? How did it all work out? But God, for right now, we trust that you put Joseph in Jesus' life and you used Joseph to form Jesus to be the person that he became. And I pray that now you are forming us in that same way to be the people that you want us to be, that we would follow you in your will, doing the law, and also being the law in our hearts. God, thank you for your grace here at Advent to both be sad and grieving and the yuck and ug of this life, but also to be lifted up into the hope and the glory of you. Lead us into this last week with celebration. Pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.